What's up, wrestling fans? And we are back with the next episode of the Home Mat Advantage Fantasy Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I am Jacob Hughley, and I am joined today uh, by my new co-host. I know we announced it on HMA on the on the website, and it's been all over social media. Uh, but my new co-hosts are finally joining me today for our first episode and kind of a little introduction episode. Um, so we have we have NCAA champion Seth Gross, um, and we have NCAA finalist. Jack Mueller. So how are you guys doing today? How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing good, man. Uh, just, just same old, same old the last few, few months here, but, uh, yeah, enjoying it, spending some time with fiance and, uh, yeah, not too much going on. Heck yeah. How about you, Jack? Doing all right. About to go to the beach soon. Pretty pumped about it. That's cool. So what, what part of Texas are you, are you in? Uh, Dallas. How far is the beach from there? We're not going to the beach in Texas. I'm going to go back to Charlottesville because I got to move out and stuff. And then I'm going to go to North Carolina, Outer Banks. So Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah North Carolina is beautiful. And out there a few. Heck yeah, man. I, uh, I live in Chapel Hill, and we've been here for two years. And we are in this awesome place where we're like two hours from the beach and then two hours from the mountains. And I've still yet to go to either one. So <laughs> I, uh, I don't know why I'm living here. Oh, if I'm not man, on that. I know I got to take advantage, especially in quarantine, like might as well go do something, um, but whatever. Did you guys see last night? I don't know how, like, you know, on Twitter, I think it was Twitter. Um, you guys were, but Dylan Dennis, the whole Dylan Dennis thing last night. Oh, that dude's that dude's going to get started. Uh, <laughs> out here. I, was that dude even a decent wrestler ever like every time i see people posting pics it's of him getting his freaking butt kicked at tournaments and stuff like and this dude's out here just calling freaking saying oh it's not worth my time come on man oh you got me i i i have no idea if he was i don't yeah, know but he's freaking he's just saying that's who he's just ducking everybody for real and um, made a contract and put Keegan O'Toole's name on it. I, know, I saw that. <laughs> that was awesome. That I want was, to happen so bad. That was so great. I would love to see that. I would love to see this, you know, UFC guy that's this like who has he even fought in the UFC? Like who has he even beat? I watched like, one of his fights and the dude looked like he had no business being in a cage. <laughs> Beating him on his feet. He was still punching him in the face and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, how is the dude actually a name that people know? Because, like, I haven't seen any kind of success in the UFC. Like, he's calling – or he's basically saying that, you know, wrestling some of our top guys is a waste of his time. Like – Dude, I, I, I haven't – the only reason <laughs> I've heard of him is because of his stupid freaking crap he says on Twitter all the time. Freaking, it's always at wrestlers. I don't know why this dude. Yeah, and he's – is he affiliated with? Is it Khabib or is it McGregor? Or who oh, was McGregor, it? Maybe he might have. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, because that was like he was part of that whole Khabib thing when Khabib like jumped over the cage. Yeah, he punched like, him in the face. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So maybe he's famous for getting punched in the face in the crowd yeah, of the match. He's like constantly calling people out on Twitter and his. Like followers, like MMA fans are brutal, and they're yeah. like, oh, like everything Ben Askren posts, it's like a knee in the face. Like yeah. that's what they're 
Oh. It will have nothing to do with fighting at all, and you just see right away the freaking like two set, three second gif of him getting kneed to the head every time. Like, every time. So for Dylan, <laughs> it's like Dylan, why are you still talking to yourself? No one cares what you have to say. No man, it's I don't. Know, it's so funny though. Like I, I love watching Ben Askren. He might be the most like entertaining Twitter to follow ever. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like he's either. You know, cussing up a storm, calling out, you know, Dylan Dennis trying to sign up, tr- trying to sign him up with high school wrestlers. Or he's like up like late at night with all these political tweets and like calling people out. <laughs> Otherwise, he's on his uh, crypto stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to be the next Dosecki's man. <laughs> got to be. Um, but dude, that was that was wild. It was weird. Um but just a little bit of business before we, we talk about anything. Um, if you guys are, are joining us live, then awesome. Thank you. Um, I don't know if Flow Wrestling is live or, or not right now, but if you're joining us live right now, then maybe that's because we're just that awesome. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, if you are not already following us, go ahead and follow HMA Wrestling um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you can visit our, our website at hmawrestling.com. Um, we have a podcast on all the different platforms. Go find us. Give us a five-star uh, review. And also, all of us individually, right? I'm HMA Jacob on Twitter and um, you know, Seth Gross, Jack Mueller. Not hard to find on Twitter on all social medias. Um, so go ahead, and if you are not already following any of us or all of us, then go ahead and give us a follow. Um, but let's get into talking about some wrestling. So obviously, you know, we just like completely got thrown off, off guard with all this crazy, you know, COVID-19 stuff. Um, and I think we've beat the dead horse talking about, you know, how you, how people felt with the NCAAs and like all that kind of stuff. Um, it's like, what are you guys doing nowadays to stay in shape during quarantine? So I, I guess I'll, I'll let, Jack, what are you doing nowadays? Running in the morning and lifting in the afternoon with like trying to incorporate some wrestling stuff. So I don't have a partner right now, but um, like I'll be watching videos on Instagram and these Russians are using like resisted shots. And so I got me some like resistance bands and I've been doing it. And then a lot of stance in motion. My freaking stance in motion shape is unreal right now. I can go forever. But uh, yeah, other than running and lifting, I'm not doing too much other than chilling yeah what, what about you seth uh, a lot of eating um no, no, i'm just kidding no, i'm just kidding uh no it's been it's been all right it's been a little weird but uh, i took some time off after ncas and then just making sure i'm staying in shape staying you know on my cardio uh eating right and just a lot of outdoor workouts where you getting some calisthenics in and wrestling every now and then we got we got a little place uh, that we can get into every 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 now and then then when i can i get in and wrestle and if not you know do what i can at home and uh yeah so a little bit of running a little bit of push-ups sit-ups things like that and then a little bit of lifting i got some weights downstairs in my basement but you know it's a good time to you know take some time off the mat refocus uh enjoy things and uh get ready to get back to it as soon as as soon as things open back up Heck yeah. I, I know I'm ready to get back to it. I, so I coach, I coach high school wrestling and man, it's like, 
I miss it so much because me and my other coaches would just go up to the school because we have keys to the school and just, you know, pull the mats out and, and wrestle whenever just to like get a workout in outside of actually coaching. Um, and I have a home mat and I, it's awesome. But right now, like the only people that I have around are just my wife. And so, you know, that, that doesn't go very well. If we ever try to wrestle each other, it's just, it's either her fighting dirty, like pinching me and poking me and stuff, or, you know, I, I'll accidentally fall on her too hard and she gets hurt. So I <laughs> kind of try to stay away. <laughs> that's where I'm lucky. My fiance is a pretty good wrestler herself. So uh, if we, we need to get a little, little wrestling in, we can, uh, we can get after it a little bit, but uh, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. I, man, I just remember like, I, I've hurt her trying not to hurt her, you know, like trying to go easy. I, I shot like a double one time on her and I was trying to go easy. Cause we were like, you know, we're in my basement. And so we have a map, but like, there's also like a couch and a desk and stuff around. And so I was like trying to go easy and not like blow through her into a desk, obviously. And so I like ended up falling. Cause I, like you couldn't, it's hard to shoot like super slow you know it's hard not to just go for it so like I ended up like falling on her and like my knee on her foot and I thought I broke her foot it was awful but uh yeah so we we, we don't really get to, to wrestle around here um but man every time I like I sit around and I'm like man there's I can't do anything I can't work out like what what can I do like there's always stuff to do because I remember I uh I worked over at NC State with the wrestling team for a summer and uh, Obi Blanc, you guys know Obi at all? Mm-hmm. Obi's Obi's the man, and I worked with him all summer. And like he told me about growing up, he just like would go outside, you know, do pull ups on tree branches, and like just do stuff around the house with like with nothing. And so every time I think like, oh, I got nothing to do, I just I'm like, all right, Obi was doing pull ups on a tree, so. <laughs> Might as well go do something. Um, but, yeah. It, I think, honestly, that eating is the best thing. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, eating is the best – like, eating good is the best thing to do in this time right now because, like, I know I've been really focusing on eating a lot better and I've been losing weight. I haven't really been able to work out too much, but I don't know. The eating's yeah, I important. Mean, I agree. When you can't – I mean, when you can't work out, like – you know, intent like intensely, like you know, during the college season and stuff, it's it's hard to stay in shape without dieting well. So I mean, it makes up for you know eating well right now makes up for a lot of those missed workouts or the less intense workouts that you have going on right now. So mm-hmm. I think it's super important. And uh, yes, yeah, one thing one thing that took me a long time to figure out my wrestling career was how how important a diet is and eating the right things is for you. But yeah, I think that's huge. Yeah. yeah but at the same like going with that like with the forced time off like i took a month where i was just doing pretty much nothing and eating whenever i wanted getting all the crap that i crave all the time out of the way now i like i don't want it at all <laughs> so are y'all still planning for 57 kg yeah yeah, yeah. so like h- how is that because like I mean, we're all in the same situation right now where everybody's sitting at home and you're trying to do your best to stay in shape and, and eat good. But, like, you definitely are going to, like, kind of float up, I, I would think, a little bit more than you would like. Um, 
what's that look like when we get closer to trials for you guys? Like how far out do you guys really start the cut or the descent? Like, uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm not worrying, try, trying not to worry too much about it right now. Right. Because there's not a whole lot we can control. And, um, when the time, you know, comes that we can get back on the mat and stuff, I'll start leaning down and trying to get, you know, walking around weight down a little bit and hopefully walk around at 138 to 140 ish range somewhere in there. And, uh, from there, it's not, not too bad, but, uh, yeah, it'll be nice to have, have, you know, this whole year to adjust my body weight down once we, once we get, get back on the mat. Yeah. Jack, do you walk, do you try to walk around the same, like 38 ish? Like, yeah, um, I'm more like I like 35. I think that's my goal, but I usually end up 38. So like during the folk style season, I'd shoot up to 38 every weekend, and then which sucked. Um, I should have been like 33 to be honest, and then drop eight pounds rather than 13. But yeah, I try and start like six or seven weeks out, really, really focusing and running more and stuff like that, and then. I, it just drops pretty easily. What do you guys like? What do you think the normal, you know, 125, 133 guy in college weighs? Because, like, obviously, you know, as, as fans, as guys that didn't actually wrestle D1, we watch and, like, you know, you're 125 pounds, but like everybody knows that this guy does not weigh 125 pounds. You know, you weigh it in at 125 pounds. Like, how, how much over do you think? people are on average or how much do you guys think people like for 125 example or i guess you guys both went 133 at one point so let's just use 133 like when you're at 133 what was your like walking around not really worrying too much about it wait um i mean i'd say it it depends on the guy and how you know some guys can go in a workout and lose six seven eight nine pounds pretty easily where some guys just naturally, you know, or maybe are a little less hydrated or only lose three, four pounds in a workout. So I'd say it depends, you know, what your sweat rate is. That's a big thing. And it, there's a lot of factors that kind of go into it. You know, how much muscle you got compared to other. I mean, there's a lot of things, but I'd say it's probably best to train around seven to nine pounds over because then you're, you know, that's probably close to, you know, after a weigh-in, rehydrating, getting on, you know, then you're pretty close to what you're training at. And um, I think that you should train, you know, at, at the weight that you're going to be when you step on that mat. So I think that's probably probably a pretty good spot to be at. I think guys that get 13, 14, 15 over, that gets a little, that's a little much because then you're training at a weight that you're not really going out there and competing at. So that's kind of the big thing Bono preaches and uh, our nutrition guy is, you know, seven, it's about seven to nine, obviously a heavyweight's a little different or a 197 pounder, but uh, for the most part that that's kind of where I, I would plan to be just cause I, I don't sweat a lot. You know, I'm probably more of a four to five pound guy on a good day and two to three on a bad day. But uh, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of where I like to sit. What about you, Jack? When I was at 33, I was honestly smaller than I was when I was at 25 because I don't know what's up with it, but whenever I cut more weight, I get bigger, like way bigger. <laughs> um, I was about so right. I was probably 35, 36. Well, what about 20? I was small. <laughs> 25, I'm walking around at 38. It's unreal. <laughs> I'm serious. It happens. Like, as soon as you know you shouldn't be doing it, <laughs> you want to do it. That's funny. I kid you not. I was bigger at 25 than I was at 33. Wow. So you guys like 
somewhere around like 10 to 15 or well, I guess you're saying like anywhere between like seven and 15, I guess, from, from Seth to Jack, depending on uh, what you're doing. Well, I was more serious, not more serious, but I was so locked in junior year. I don't think I was as locked in this year, to be honest. Um, but that being said, like as soon as ACC's hit, I get upset in the finals. Um, like that week, I was, I was having the best practices of my life. And then um, I went to like yoga and I like, knew the NCAAs was going to be canceled because every other sporting event was canceled, but I was in there like sweating my freaking balls off. And uh, I weighed 128 after, and that was a week out from NCAAs. So like I was pretty locked in there. Yeah. Like you want to shoot for sure, for smaller, for sure. Than what, yeah. what do you guys think? Like, you know, when you guys, if you guys hung it up today, you know, you're just like, all right, I'm going to get into coaching college wrestling. I'm just completely done with, with competing. You know, at that point, obviously, you know, wrestlers are pretty good. You, you don't usually get like, you know, giant, get fat or whatever. Um, but like, you're just kind of coming in, working out here and there and helping athletes. What, how big do you guys think you guys would be then? Not like big, but like, what's your size after you compete, do you think? Uh, I, I don't know. I think, I think I'll definitely balloon up a little bit, like, right after, but then I'll slowly get back into shape, get where I want to be. And uh, being around guys like uh, Bono and Reader here, these dudes are working out, like, two, three, four times a day, just jumping in the sauna all the time, going for runs and <laughs> – those dude, those dudes would call me out as soon as I start getting chunky. They're like, dude, you're getting fat. Come on, man. You need to get back in shape, or just just say how it is. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. And I'd get back down to shape. So, I think, I think, I, I think I'll blow up a little bit initially. Probably like, not not massive, but maybe 155 or something. And then slowly, I'd probably get back. I think, I think when I'm done, all said and done, I'll probably be walking around more around 145-ish. I I I'd assume, but who knows. Maybe, maybe I'll try to hit the weights and put on some muscle out here or something. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think, Jack? Yeah. I think I would I would shoot up to somewhere in the fifties and then and then get back down because I want to I want to coach at UVA and Garland's exactly like that. Uh, I have a good story about him. We were running stadiums uh, last year and uh, he was running them with us and it went so hard he pissed himself and. <laughs> He did it, and then we had buddy carries and stuff, and I didn't know he pissed himself. And so no. he got on my back. <laughs> I was carrying up the stairs. He pissed himself. I was giving him a buddy carry up the stairs. And, uh, and, like, I was like, sweet. Like, thanks for everything, Coach. Like, that was awesome. We freaking went hard. We went at it. And uh, I heard from one of my buddies afterwards, like, did you hear that Garland, like, beat himself and then got on someone's back? And I was like, that's my back. <laughs> that's my back. <laughs> and, and he was wearing Trent's pants, too. So he peed Trent's pants and got on my back. Yeah, that's, that is a good story. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, that's, that's how you know you're trained in hard. <laughs> yeah, no hey. doubt. But yeah. I want to I help him. Like, I want to work for him one day. So... I think, like like Seth was saying, if you have a guy like that that's motivating you, you know, 
You can yeah, I think, I mean, and that goes to the whole, you know, surrounding yourself with, you know, those types of people and around the type of guys that want to see you succeed. I think that it's a lot easier to stay in shape where, you know, if I think if I went to, you know, an office job or something like that, it would be, it wouldn't be good. As long as I'm sticking around, you know, wrestling around people that, you know, got the same kind of goals as me, I think staying in shape gets a whole lot easier. Yeah. Well, that like, you know, I kind of, we talked about before, I kind of wrote up like a doc with questions and kind of like guide us, but that kind of like jumps down to one of the questions that I was thinking was um, you're talking about like a desk job versus like coaching or whatever. Um, obviously both of you guys right now are, you know, training um, for the Olympics next year. Um, what do you guys see after the Olympics? Like, are you, are you guys in for the next cycle? Are you going to move on and do something else? Like what are, what are your future plans for both of you guys? I guess we can start off with Seth cause we've been doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm going to jump into coaching as soon as I can here and uh, start getting some coaching experience and train at the same time. So that's kind of my route. I know, I know a lot of guys say, you know, it's hard to balance that and this and that, but I just know, you know, like if I get, if I get on staff and uh, I'm with Bono and reader, that they're going to let me train if I need to train. They're going to let me go places and train if I have to. They're going to, you know, they're going to be good about that. And I think that I can start getting that coaching experience while training for the Olympics. And, uh, you know, I think as far as how long I'm going to wrestle depends on how healthy I stay, how, how my body's doing, things like that. But as long as, as long as I can still step out there and scrap, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. And, um, yeah, but I'm going to, yeah, try to hopefully get some coaching experience as soon as I can. And, uh, start start trying to coach a team to some national titles that's cool how about you jack i'm in for the cycle um 100 and then i want to get into coaching you're in for you're talking about like one more cycle or are you talking about just olympics 2024 okay yeah um like where i'm at after that like i don't man i've been doing this for so long i don't I don't want to get away from it at all, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm still itching to get on the mat, especially with the bitter taste that NCAA has left in my mouth, you know. Like, I'm ready to compete. But, yeah, and then I want to coach because I really get, like, a lot of joy out of teaching people, like, what I know about the sport. And whenever they execute uh, on the mat, it's, like, the best thing ever. Uh, our 57-pounder, uh, Jake Keating, um, he was in a match at U23s and I was in his corner and he was getting smoked because the guy had like a, like a vice grip. And I was like, go fake drag single. And he hit it three times and won the match. Like after I told him that in the corner and I was like, I was so pumped and made my weekend. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely agree. Like I was, really big into wrestling growing up i i was just my my dad did it right i don't know how how did you guys parents uh guide you when you got into wrestling you know i know obviously some people have the parents that are you know crazy on them and you know maybe get a little too crazy and yell at them if they lose um and then you have the other side that you know lets them do what they want whatever like how did how did you guys parents help you when you got into wrestling or how did they what kind of parents did you have Oh, my dad, my dad was pretty intense with it. He, uh, he was trying to kind of, I mean, he wasn't like the crazy yell at me in front of people or like, well, I'm out there a ton, but 
like I, he'd come in, in the corner of practice, he'd be glaring at me and like making sure he'd, he'd get mad at like, it's the worst thing I remember from my childhood was always going home after practice, the car ride home. And he would just slowly like, he would have watched practice and he'd like sit in the corner act like he's not paying attention. And he would ask me like, so how did you do today? And I'd be like, Oh, I did good. He's like, you only got one takedown or something like that. I'd be like, like, why'd you say you did good then? And I was like, well, uh, and I'd just, he'd stick me in a corner like that. And he's like, are you even being serious? You grabbed the worst partner today, things like that. And he'd always, and then he started uh, just staying with me after practice every day. And he'd make me like run laps around the, the thing and do stance in motion. And, uh, I got some funny videos of me running circles around the wrestling room when I was just crying, like, I can't do this. It, it was funny. I mean, he, he got a lot better as soon as I got into high school and stuff. But when I was a youth wrestler, man, he was, he was serious about it, and uh, he was pretty hard on me. I think it, like, it just – so it definitely depends on the kid a lot, too, because I feel like, like that kind of, of parenting, it doesn't work for everybody. You know, but like if you have the right kid that really does enjoy the sport and like is into it and intensely like wants to get better, then then it definitely helped push you for sure. I mean, obviously you're here, so yeah. And I mean, I loved I loved wrestling. I loved being around. You know, I was there. I'd say my early years, like youth and middle school, I just loved wrestling. I loved hanging out with my friends at practice, screwing around. I mean, I was always the kid that you know we're supposed to be drilling moves, and I'm just trying to go live and do all that stuff and. I just love to be there. And I honestly, I mean, it's not that I didn't like my dad being there, but I just felt so much pressure. Felt like I couldn't actually do what I wanted to do when he was there. And um, it was, it was probably cause he was probably there 75% of the practice and probably more than that for a while. But I always just waited for the day where he wasn't there. And I just, you know, get to have fun and uh, enjoy, enjoy hanging out with my friends and stuff. I just, I just love wrestling. I love being around the mat as much as I can. And, uh, being around it, you know, that's where I created, you know, my lifelong friends and, uh, it was, it was fun. Yeah. How about you, Jack? How was your parents growing up and just kind of getting into everything? So my parents, um, were awesome. They were crazy, but awesome. Um, because they did everything with me. Uh, whenever like I went to a tournament, they were the ones driving me. They were the ones paying for stuff. Like, they were in the grind just as much as I was, and I wouldn't be anywhere without them. Granted, they were crazy, and they didn't understand. Like, they had no wrestling background at all and no idea how hard I was going. But, like, my mom would drive me an hour to practice and an hour home every day for 10 years. Um, and that's just a little level of commitment that I didn't even have at the time, you know? Like she was more committed than I was. And then as soon as I like accepted it for my own, like they were so supportive, but like they were awesome. Like, uh, I don't know if y'all know Moran at all. Um, he's out in Ohio, uh, coaches team Moran. His son goes to Ohio state, um, Carson Karkwa. Uh, yeah. he was like, honestly, Jack, like you would be nowhere without your parents. And he like told that to me one day. And I was like, you're so right. And I was like, you know, they, man, they went above and beyond to make me better. And uh, they didn't understand the limits of the human body, I don't think. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they just wanted the best for me because they knew I loved the sport. So they, they tried to make me as, as good as possible. That's cool. 
And it's crazy. I mean, you know, you look back at those times and when you're a kid, you don't really realize how much your parents do for you. It's kind of crazy. You know, they're bringing you to five practices a week. Like I got, so I, I, I lived like a little too far from my, my high school, um, to, uh, to, uh, get, take the bus there. So I remember my mom would have to get up at like five forty-five or six in the morning to drive me to my early morning workouts. Then she'd have to pick me up at my middle school, drive me over to the high school and then pick me up at high school. And she was just everywhere. And it's like, at the time, like I took that so much for granted, like she'd be five minutes late and I'd be like mad at her and like stupid things like that. And now it's looking back. It's like, wow. Like she really like her life revolved around me and my siblings. Like she, she was so committed to giving us the best experience we could. And it's like in the moment is it, you don't really realize that when you're, you know, a silly little kid just wanted to have fun all the time and do whatever you want. So. Oh, absolutely. And like, even, even outside of wrestling, like I feel like I'm getting to that age where I finally understand my parents and like understand this, like you're saying the stuff they did for us. Um, Cause like all, I feel like it's like every day, every other day I tell my wife, I'm like, wow. Like, I feel like an adult now. Like this is, I understand why my parents did this or like, you know, I sound like my dad right now or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I had growing up, I think I had a really good balance with my parents. Um, you know, my dad was the one that was most involved with wrestling and he was awesome because he just like, he never put pressure on me. He just wanted me to really love the sport and just enjoy it. Um, and you know, when I would lose, he would give me time to like kind of cool off and settle down. And then we'd talk about, you know, Hey, this is where you went wrong. This is where you went right. Um, so I think he was really good from that point of view of not like hammering on me when I was already down. Um, but I think at the same time, he was also really good at, um, making sure that I, that I was like performing my best or like making sure I wasn't, you know, quitting or, or any of that kind of stuff. Cause I, mean, I went to a camp when I was in seventh grade. Um, that was, you know, there was like, you know, I don't know what we call them, you know, wrestling centers or whatever. Um, but there was the wrestling Academy down the road and I went and I was in seventh grade and I remember I weighed 150 pounds. And so I was way bigger than any other, you know, middle school kid at that time. And so I get thrown in with like juniors and seniors in high school. And all the kids, like I'm sure you guys know, that they go to these these training centers are usually pretty good, right? And so not only am I throwing them with these kids that are juniors and seniors, but it's like, you know, one of them was a state champ, one of them was like state placer, you know, they were all they're all good. And so I'm just getting my ass kicked for like days on end. And I like it was like the third day, and I'm like crying in the car, like Dad, like please, I don't want to go back. And uh, it wouldn't let me quit. So, but uh, yeah, and no, I think. I think our parents really played a big role or play a big role in like your success in sports and not only your success, but like, I think it's your love for the sport. Cause I think if you really do love the sport and like want to give your time to it, then that's where success comes later. You know? So mm. I think that's a big, big I deal. hate summer camps. I've always <laughs> hated wrestling camps. These kids are psychotic. <laughs> and I don't know if y'all have ever like counseled a wrestling camp, but that's a thousand times worse than being in one too, because you have to deal with all that crap. <laughs> I've been I've been at some bad camps, man, where you're just 
you it gets to the point where you like dude the worst is when the parents are sitting there watching their kids like be like just wild and they just oh, don't say they're just like sitting there reading a book or doing their thing and their kids like jumping off the wall like tackling everybody and you're just like i'm trying man i gotta sit down buddy and he's just running circles and you're just like if and there's always that one kid that will like break it and just want to get under your skin oh my god yeah freaking i'll be like teaching a move and someone will be like oh spencer lee this i'm like what <laughs> like you're like nine years old why are you talking crap to me like dude i that <laughs> yep after my year i lost to Corey clark in the finals bro i swear at every camp there was that kid who would have to say something about it it's like you're not funny <laughs> like, stop it <laughs> dude it, dude camps mentally slowly just drain me like the first few i'm like all right this ain't bad and then you get like once you get that real bad kid and you're just like oh man get me out of here yeah i always am like i'll wait for that bad kid to say something and then it'll be like i'll wait to do like a power half later i'll be like all right uh you <laughs> you're gonna be a partner for this one <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're, they're fun and all, man. I like doing them, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's mentally, mentally tough. It's good mental training out here. Yeah. Yeah, but all right. So some of the questions I had, I guess, were, you know, for any youth wrestlers that are watching, right, kids that are coming up through the ranks and, like, wanting to be good at the sport, um, what – how did you guys – or did you even, like, set goals for yourself coming up through? And maybe not necessarily, you know, the first couple of years, but, you know, when you, first, when you started seeing, like, all right, I can be pretty good at this, you know, maybe late middle school, early high school, whenever that was, how did you guys set goals for yourself? Um, I think for me, I'm, that's one thing my dad was really, really big on was me writing down my goals. So, like – Ever even since youth wrestling, he would make me write down all my goals for the year, short term, um, middle term, or whatever, long term goals. And I'd write down all, all those goals and he'd make me show them. He'd make me go show my coaches, uh, have me put it up on the wall, things like that. And uh, he always, he always, big thing for him was, you know, you can't be afraid to share your goals with other people. Like, you know, then, then your coaches can hold you accountable. Then you start to, you know, believe that they're going to happen when you see them all the time. And, uh, yeah, so that's been a huge part, I think, of, you know, how, how far I've come is, you know, those goals setting and, and, and just chasing those goals down. And, I mean, still to this day, that's, you know, before season, probably a couple months before season, I'll jot my goals down and I'll start putting them everywhere. You know, I write them down on my weight card. You know, I'm sitting in class. I'm writing down my goals. It's, it's something that just – you know so you see something over and over and over enough times it's just you know you just expect it to happen and then you know you can go out there and get it done so I think that that's huge uh, at all levels of wrestling from being a little kid I, and when you're a little kid don't get me wrong you know it's it's cool to win and stuff but it's not about winning and losing it's about learning you know the discipline it's about falling in love with the sport you know learning things like goal setting at that age it's more about you know, getting good at that stuff than actually winning and losing. And I think that that was, that was the biggest thing holding me back when I was young is it was, it was always about winning for me. You know, I hate, I was the most competitive little kid. And every time I lost, I, you know, I would tell my parents I'm quitting wrestling, I'm done. And I just go sit and cry. And sometimes I want, I, I mean, my parents would end up pulling me out on the mat for my next match and making me wrestle, but I would be such a little brat about it. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, I don't, I don't know how to teach that to a young kid, you know, that it doesn't really matter right now. You know, it's not, you know, if you're a five time Tulsa champion, no down, down the road, nobody cares, man. And it's, it's, you know, I think that's important to ingrain in little kids to, you know, just go out there, have fun, fall in love with the sport and learn discipline, learn, learn goal set, learn things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a one-time Tulsa champ, so, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tulsa's <laughs> important. Um, yeah, I put it on my, my resume. It's <laughs> still um, to this day. <laughs> absolutely. Six and under 42. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I set goals as soon as I accepted wrestling as my own, like, and I wasn't doing it for anyone else. That's when I started getting big into goals. So it was sixth grade. Fifth grade, I dislocated my hip, and I was like, if I didn't dislocate my hip, I wouldn't be in wrestling. 100% out of quit, because I was, I was going so hard, and I just wanted to like have a normal life. <laughs> and then, boom, dislocated my hip. I was out for a year, uh, like forced out for a year, and I like wanted to get back really bad. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this for myself. And then it was like, I started progressing at like rates I never had before I was jumping levels left and right and I was just so excited and so I started setting really really high goals for myself and you know I wasn't hitting them but I was getting pretty dang close um like I just remember like I wanted to win Ironman four times it was like ah well I didn't do that I placed four times and I won it once that's still really good and uh I kept it like in perspective after the fact but like different things like that. And then there were some that I did hit. So I wanted to win prep nationals four times. I did it. Um, and then not only in athletics, um, did I set goals, but I set goals in my social life. I set goals in my, uh, academic life too. Like I was like, all right, social life, like I'm not going to drink because, um, I like have some brothers that are, well, one brother that had real problems with it. And so like, I didn't, I knew that what it could do to people and uh, it scared me. And uh, I was just going to set an example. I didn't want to be like a legalist about it and think that like I'm better than people because of it. But like, if I am in a leader position, like I'm going to try and live my best life, like outside of it, I was going to try and read the Bible every day. Sometimes I don't, sometimes I, I did. And now I'm pretty good at it. I've got a good habit of it. Um, and then academics, I was shooting for 4.0. And, uh, you know, when I started idolizing these things, so goals, like my goals got dangerous because I idolized them. Freshman year, I was shooting for a national title. I wanted to win so bad. I was sacrificing everything, everything I possibly could. I was losing friends left and right because I was just so consumed with the goal of winning a national title. I get injured in the quarterfinals. I end up winning the match, but then right after that my ankle swells up and I can't walk I lose injury default out boom goal is shattered and my soul was shattered because I had I had nothing I was my house was built on sand freaking everything tumbled down and just super depressed end up getting a one nine GPA that semester um just was partying all the time everything fell apart and uh it was because i idolized wrestling and i idolized that goal um and so it can be dangerous i think 
And, uh, you know, it took me another year to realize that I was super depressed. <laughs> I'm losing the round of 12 and I'm like, wow, like wrestling seriously isn't everything. Um, I was angry all the time. And after that, I was like, all right, where do I go to? So I turned towards God and, uh, you know, I was living like I just I found this joy that I'd never had before. And man, I was just smiling all the time. People were like, what is what is up with you? Like, what's wrong with you? And <laughs> you're usually so angry. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, after that, it was, the goals were, were just that. They were goals. They weren't idolized. Um, like, I wanted to win a national title, but it wasn't going to be the end of the world if I didn't. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really cool story. And, I mean, that's that vibe a lot with me because, you know, I went through the same similar kind of deal where it was – I think a lot of wrestlers, you know, wrestling's everything to them. You know, if they they don't know what to do without wrestling, man, it's it's crazy. I was there. I think a lot of people that are at the peak of wrestling are there. And then when you go through an injury, when you get in trouble, when things happen and that gets stripped away from you, it leaves you in a dark place. And, uh, you know, that's what happened to me. I Wrestling was everything. I got in trouble or whatever. And when that got taken away, man, it was tough. And, and that's where I did, you know, in those dark places at those low points, that's where you find out what really matters, the people that matter, you know, your faith, you find your faith there. And, uh, and that's also where I, you know, decided, you know, found that, you know, wrestling's not life, you know, wrestling's not everything, you know, I love, I love wrestling. I want to do the best I can in wrestling, but you know, if I, if I can't wrestle tomorrow, I'm perfectly content with that. Like, I have a God that loves me. I got a family that loves me. I got, I got a lot of great things going. And if my, if my identity is in wrestling, you know, that's, that's not right. My identity is in my faith in God. And, you know, so that, that took me, you know, similar to you, Jack, it was like, you know, it was an obsession for me. I wanted things so bad that it was an idol to me. It was the number one driving factor in my life was wrestling. And I think that's the dangerous thing. I mean, even for people that aren't, super strong in your faith, you know, if wrestling's everything and that gets pulled away, you're going to be left, you know, super empty. So I think that, you know, like you said, goals are important, but make sure they're just goals. You know, it's something you're trying to reach for and, you know, you're training for every day and something to kind of gauge where you're at, but don't, don't make it your idol. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Jack. Uh, I mean, like as soon as NCAAs got canceled, I was, I was bummed for sure. Like, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, it was like my heart went out to the people that that I like were in the same situation I was because I know that there's people out there that are like wrestling's everything to them. Yeah, I'm sure that there were some seniors that wanted to be an all American, win a national title, and like without it, they weren't who they like. That was their identity. Yeah, what their goals were, and uh, it's like that's what hurt me the most I think was just thinking about those those guys yeah yeah I agree that was that was kind of the same boat you know it was just like you know those guys that the guys that I felt bad for you know those seniors who hadn't gotten on the podium the, you know the guys that you know freshmen that I, I you know those guys that could have redshirt had different options you know different things like that and it was like it sucks for them and you know I was in a spot where it was just all right on to the next thing now you know that got pulled away what's what's next so I think that you know having that mindset helps in a lot you know outside of wrestling it helps in you know every aspect of life so I think that's a big good mindset to have yeah and I think that people you know that that word mindset is really important and 
I've been listening to, I know both of you guys have been on Bash Mania podcast. Um, I've been listening to that a lot lately. And I think the like common thread between all of you guys, all the different, you know, successful college senior level athletes um, is that, you know, when most kids are growing up and they're in this, in any sport really, but especially in wrestling, I feel like you're all like, you're, you're saying obsessed about winning, right? Obsessed about winning. And like, it, it evolves a lot of time into like being scared to lose. Right. And so it's, it's just like a fight with like winning and losing. And it's not actually about, you know, enjoying the sport, you know, the process, all these kind of things. Like a lot of, a lot of you guys are saying on, on different places, different podcasts, different things I've listened to is it's, it's not really about the wins and losses. It's about like enjoying the process and like, and just like what I'm trying to get at is like, if you had a high school wrestler that, that it, or a middle school wrestler that's coming to you and they're saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm really scared to lose or like, it's all about winning for me or whatever. Like what kind of mindset would you tell them that they need that, that, that is better to have and like, how do you get to a mindset like that? You guys understand what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say, I would say love to lose, you know, love to fail. You know, that's a big, it's a hard thing to learn, but that's one of my favorite things. You know, when I, when I fail, you know, I don't go out and try to fail purposely, right. I'm putting my best effort in, but when I do fail right now, I got something, you know, I, I, I got something to get better at. I got something to work for. I got, and that's in every aspect of life, right? If it's a, you know, a business thing, if it's a school thing, you know, you don't do quite, quite as good as you wanted to, you figure out why, you know, you kind of dissect the situation and figure out how can I be better now? And I think that, you know, all the people that, you know, are the best at, you know, Michael Jordan's, you know, famous quote about, uh, you know, all the shots he did take, you know, and I don't even know what the quote is now that I'm in the moment, but uh, anyways, the, the, all the greats, you know, they take, they, they got good in those situations and they started winning because they failed so many times over and over and over and over. And you just got to start to love it, right? You got to love to not, you know, not maybe not the best feeling, but you got to love to fail and uh, figure out, you know, that that's part of the process and that they, that more growth will come from your failures than, you know, when it ever will. Mm. I think like with that, it's like, I was definitely one of those kids that was scared to lose. And like, I was happier with a, a three, two win than like, you always say like, what, like a 10, eight loss. You'd rather, you'd rather have that um man i just started focusing on like outside of wrestling like what do i have going for me <laughs> i mean i had so many like so many things going for me that it was like there's no reason to be nervous like, why am i nervous why am i so terrified of this next match that no one like hardly anyone cares about right like like the sun's gonna rise again tomorrow um, still gonna have parents that love me. Still gonna have a family that loves me. Still gonna have a god that loves me. Still gonna have coaches and teammates that still love me too. So like, even if I lose, the people that should care about it are still gonna care about me as a human, rather than just my results. Um, so I put it in perspective, you know. Um, and then it was easy. I was just letting loose, you know, scoring points left and right. Uh, but I was terrified. I mean. Terrified to the point where Kendall was coaching me when I was young and he'd be like, Hey, uh, Jack, uh, let's get fourth this tournament. Huh? And I would like freak out on him. I would like, like, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? 
40. <laughs> Who wins this? Like, that and he would, like, do it, like, right before my matches. Like, I'm in my, like, shirt and singlet, and that's it. But, yeah, let's lose this match, huh? No, <laughs> like, that's awesome. I love it. You were trying to calm me down, and I was, like, getting so worked up. And it yeah. took me forever to realize. It took me, co like, college to realize that. Because I was terrified of losing college. Yeah, that's, my, my dad would do He would say, uh, he'd always say, I don't care if you win or lose the match, but you need to score 10 points, things like that. Like, it doesn't matter. Figure out how to score. Like, he got, he would get so mad at me if I would go out there and, like, win two to one or win one to zero. He would, that would make him mad than anything, yeah. right? He would, he would just say, go out there. Like, if I get, took a guy down and rode him forever, he'd get mad. It's like, go out there. It's a good mindset, you know, take a step back and kind of look at it. But you're getting so much better when you're going out, there. even if you give up four takedowns but you're trying things and trying to make them work in a match situation you're just improving at such a higher rate than if you go out there and win a three two match and win a five four you know things like that where if, if, if i go lose 20 to 18 but i i learned you know how to take this guy down this many times all i got to do now is go back and clean up why i did give up points and those errors i didn't make it's a lot easier it's a lot easier to fix up somebody that can score a lot of points than take somebody that's doesn't have you know that's kind of timid and not scoring much and teach them to score so it's like have that wide open style fail over and over but now now you're learning what work you're slowly learning the things that do work and the things that don't but when you're not trying those things right you're not learning and you're not you're not figuring out how you can score points so that's kind of kind of how I kind of developed over time, but it was definitely like that for a while. Where I would I'd be like, "What do you mean score? If, if I score ten points but lose, you're good with that. But if I win three to two, you're gonna be mad. Like what? Like when you're a kid, it's so hard to understand that. But it it it, it it's, it's spot on, man. I mean, it's 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 the right mindset to have. Yeah, I think it starts in practice too, right? It's to like. Man, I was like so focused on winning the go. So one minute go, I'm winning it. I'm gonna get a takedown. I'm gonna ride them out. And then it was like, my coach. I had good coaches, uh, and they were like, Jack, what are you doing? Like you can get five takedowns in this one minute. Why are you only getting one? Mm -hmm. And uh, man, I was so focused on just getting the win. Gotta win. Uh, and like even in college, it was bad. Like I would say up until my senior year, I was. I was like, I got to win this go. Like, I'll wrestle Louie, and uh, it will be like a 5-0 match. I'll win it, but, like, take down, take down, escape, run away from it. And I was like, open up. And so I did. And, uh, you know, scored a lot more points. Um, yeah. So Yeah. I think one of the guys that I think does that really well and then I, I try to point out to my wrestlers of the last couple of years is Jason Nolf. Um, I really mm -hmm. like watching him because you know when when you think of you know a guy like Jason Nolf, right it immediately pops in your head you know he's a three-time national champ you know basically nobody beat him right I think Isaiah Martinez was the only guy that ever beat him in college and so you think wow this guy's amazing but a lot of people don't don't remember or realize that like he gave up takedowns, you know, like he would get taken down by guys. And it wasn't because these dudes were better than him. It was just because like you're saying, why would, why would Jason Nolf take the guy down and ride him out for a period and then, you know, escape and then ride him out and win four nothing when he can just go full tilt and tech the guy in two periods. And maybe he gives up, you know, a takedown, maybe two, whatever, but 
you know, he's out there enjoying himself, having fun. And he knows at the end of the day, even if he gets taken down, like I'm going to get up, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get my own takedown. So like, you know, or he's going to win Dixie him or lefty headlock or whatever the heck else Jason all did. But, I was uh, just thinking about the Buffalo match where the guy does like <laughs> the like, shimmy after he takes him down and then he gets like <laughs> freaking his head ripped off. That was brutal. That was, that was funny. Yeah, that was hilarious. Right, guy. <laughs> yeah, but like, I think that's the kind of mindset, and that's the kind of like, that's that's how I would ideally if if have a team of wrestlers, right? You know, I'm coaching high school right now, and that's like how I try to get these guys to think about it is like, don't be scared to get taken down, right? Don't be scared to to give up points. Don't be scared to lose. Who cares? Like, go out there, go as hard as you can, perform to the ability you can try to get your takedowns and you know, whatever happens happens, right? Train as hard as you can. You go out there and put it on the line. And you know, if you end up losing, then you know, we'll, we'll go back and we'll fix those things, but don't be out there like dancing around for a period and, and scared to shoot. You know, I think that's the, like the biggest hurdle in, you know, middle school, high school wrestling is, is don't care if they score on you. And you know I, what I, mean? I think, I think even guys in college like if you look like a funny story like when I got to Wisconsin and uh we had a bunch of freshmen coming in this year and uh I remember one of my first or second practices I went in there and I was wrestling one of the freshmen or something or a couple of the freshmen and um you know I just try new things I try to find new moves and I got taken down a few times and I remember going to the locker room after and I heard a couple of them talking like hey I took Seth down today and I'm like dude everybody takes me down man like (laughs) literally like everybody takes me down. It's like, it's not a big deal. Like, and that's, I mean, that's, that's it. I wrestled the same in practice. I'm going to end a match. And that's, that's what people got to start doing. I think that, you know, they're two different people in the, in the practice room and in matches. Like, you know, the only reason I, you know, one of my match, the first match against Sebastian Rivera, right. I've never thrown anybody in my life in a match like that. And this year I decided, Hey, I'm going to start trying this in practice. And I just, you know, I probably got put to my back 50 times by freshmen and you know younger guys and they're probably all hyped about it but to me it was like dude it's practice like you know maybe it's a little confidence booster for you to score off of me trying to launch you or whatever but you know I'm learning I'm figuring out why that that throw didn't work and now I'm gonna you know change it up a little bit and get it to work so I think that you know that you got to figure out you know learning to let it fly in practice is just as important as important as to do it in a match you know and I think that it, it's it's tricky to teach. I think that even at the college level, so many people are just so comfortable doing the things they've done their entire wrestling career. It's so hard to, you know, break them out into out of their comfort zone and try new things. Like, you know, our 74 pounder is really good. And I think he just always, as soon as he gets in a match situation, he does the same things over and over. But, you know, in practice, you see him do all sorts of different things. And when you're drilling and doing technique, he's got all this stuff he can do. But as soon as it's, you know, a live situation or a match situation, it's just like he sticks to the two or three things he's done forever. And I think that's a hard hard thing to break out of. I think that's something that's really good for younger guys to hear from guys like you. Is it like, you know, Seth Gross, Jack Mueller, you know, they they know you guys because they've watched you, you know, on ESPN the last couple of years and all that kind of stuff. But like you guys get taken down, you know, and you don't get taken down in the practice room just by like, the head coach or by like, you know, the, the senior level athletes that are, that are winning world titles, right. You get taken down by the freshman that just came in, you know, and it happens. And like, and that's because of that style that I think that 
is best to kind of get into, like you're saying, is just like, let it fly. Wrestle, like you're saying, wrestle like you do in the practice room out on the mat. Um, yeah, that's like, that's the biggest thing that I've struggled with in my first, like, I think five years as a, as a coach is like trying to get that instilled into kids, you know? But uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else or anything to say, Jack, about that? I think I, we kind of let Seth talk a lot, but on I kind of cut you off. <laughs> you know, I'm still like, I'm still struggling with like let like completely letting it fly. Like I still take pride yeah. in the fact that like I can score a hundred points and not get a point scored on me. Yeah. And uh, it's definitely an issue because if I do get taken down, like it's still like a thing where I'm like, man, like what did I do wrong here? But like with letting like scoring a lot of points, you are going to get taken down for sure. And it's, it's nice being taken down because it's like, okay, what happened? And then it's like, I talk to them, like my partner, I'm like, what'd you do there? Like, help me, um, help me in this situation. I think it's also awesome too. Like you're saying, it's good getting taken down because not only do you learn from like how you got taken down, but then you can see that, you know, you got taken down, but you also got away and took them down. So like, it's not the end of the world. Who cares? Exactly. Exactly. And I think that like, uh, you know, it's just something I've always struggled with. Um, I'm the youngest of four brothers and, uh, you know, like whether it's a video game, a card game, whatever, like I want to, I want to crush the opponent. You know, like, I don't want to just beat him. I want to crush him. I want to tech fall like that. I like tech so much more than pens because like a pen can happen to anyone. You're not going to get teched by everyone. You tech someone, you, you're, you own them. Pretty you don't much. get, you don't get like, caught in a tech. Yeah. You don't get caught in a tech. <laughs> and uh, like, that's always my goal is uh, get a tech fall. And uh, you know, I shouldn't do that in practice. <laughs> like I shouldn't be going for the tech in practice, but I should be trying to score hundred points, score a thousand points. And like something that I've always thought of is uh, Dan Gable would say that he would like go in with like thinking of one move that he like wants to learn and he would do it until he like completely got it. So he would fail at the beginning and then he'd fail a little bit in the middle and then he would not fail by the time he was done learning that move. Have you guys read his books? Yeah. Have you guys read his books? I haven't, but like I've heard. Oh all. man, I would su- I would definitely recommend it. They're awesome. I mean, the dude is crazy. He's absolutely insane. Like, just it's it's basically just a book of stories of Dan Gable's life, and it's insane. I mean, like it it, show, it talks about like in several instances, you know, he would be so intensely wanting to train and you know like just get in the best peak physical condition he could get in that like his friends would want to go out to eat one night and it would be in town and it'd be like 20 miles down the road and he was like well like I want to go with him and like spend some time with my friends but also like I got to find a way to like make this get me better and like they would drive into town and he would run behind the car the whole way to town and like it was just insane like the dude is a robot I (laughs) mean Like, I would definitely read it. It's cool. People like that, all the greats are like that. So, like, Kerry Colott, he said that whenever he would park his car, he would find the most outrageous parking spot so that he would have to walk the furthest distance he could to, like, where he was going. Or if there were stairs, take the stairs. Um, John Smith, 
working out at 2 a.m. on like a like an atom dummy hitting his low single just people like that like what what is your crazy niche gonna be you know Um, I have a friend like that here that he doesn't he's not even you know an athlete or anything he's just he's actually in dental school with my wife Um, but he wakes up every day at 3 a.m. and goes on a run like just to like for one stay in shape but I guess like kind of also mentally like that's like a, a mental strength thing for some people, I guess. It's like, I can do this. Yeah. I think, I think all those things more than, you know, obviously it helps you physically and stuff, but I think more than anything, it's for giving you that confidence that you're doing something that nobody else is doing. And I yeah. think you wear that confidence and that kind of gives you that, that pep in your step to go out there and really put it on guys where, you know, I did this and you didn't. And, and I think that helps more than, you know, did, did carry Cole at walking his car, walking, you know, ridiculous ways. Did that really, give him a physical edge or did it give him that mental edge where, you know, I know this dude didn't do it. I think that that's an interesting thing to kind of, kind of look at is, was it the physical gain that you got from walking or was it just, 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 just something you didn't, that, that nobody else was doing? You got to know Colette's like walking to the line and like an Olympics match or something. It's like, I know this dude doesn't park farther than me. Well, that's 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 a like bonos thing was always he would go in in the room late at night shut all the lights off and just straight shadow wrestle forever and he would do it at like a time that he knew guys overseas weren't doing it or something like that he'd just shut the lights off and shadow wrestle for 30 40 minutes straight and that was his thing so i mean i think i think everybody has their thing that they feel separates them or sets them apart and i think that you need to believe that mentally to to actually go out and do it yeah, like have any weird things that you guys did or like not weird, but like things that you did that you're like, I know nobody else is doing this. Um, it's just hard work. I don't know if like everyone was not doing it, but like I would try and make sure I was staying after practice for 30 minutes doing something, um, whatever that may be. And then, I mean, I was running sprints pretty much every day on the treadmill after lifts after wrestling was I doing it because I wanted to get a mental edge or was I doing it because I was fat and needed to make weight you know like I think that I was at first it was in the like with right intentions and then like after I was like man this sucks like I have to do this yeah did you do anything Seth um I mean I'd say I'd say one thing that I think gives me an edge and makes me yeah I think I I pride myself on my my kind of my grip strength and that's a huge thing that I think that is super under underrated in wrestling is just grip strength you know you see guys get to my legs but I'm holding on to one of their wrists and I can you know lift it just things like that I think that that's one of the most underrated things that's one thing I always growing up from when I was a kid was uh, there was always grip strength my dad would put me on the after practice, I do this. There's this thing called Monster 88. It was like 88 ropes, and you'd freaking go on that, and then I'd go climb the tall ropes. And it was always, always grip strength for me. That was kind of the thing that I felt helped me a ton. It was just, you know, insane. Still to this day, you know, my two on one, my my tilts, and everything I do, kind of, kind of revolves around my grip strength. And I think that that's always been kind of my thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to get good on top. Work on your grip, hundred percent. Even if, like, even when I'm riding legs, I'll get off the mat and like the only thing that's sore is like my forearms. I'm like, what? What the freak yeah. is going on? You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm telling you, man, it's, it's an under underrated thing of wrestling. Like, if, if I, you know, if I was coaching youth wrestlers, like that'd be the big thing. Because if you can get even on your feet, right? If I can grab a guy's wrist and kind of hang onto that, and you know, I can mm-hmm. get to a lot of shots off that, and I know this guy ain't shooting, you know, one arm. So I think that it's yeah. something that, especially at the younger level, moving on up, that it can just help you tremendously. Yeah, D. Camillo like that. He uh, would have a rice bucket and would work on the rice and his grip is like a freaking gorilla i'll get like i'll finish practice and it'll be like an hour after practice and it will still feel like he's holding on to my wrist <laughs> what do you mean by rice bucket so you get like a like a, a bucket of rice and what you do is you like you sit in a chair and you have the bucket on the ground so you're like leaning over it and you take your hands and you go you go grab you twist your hands and then you go up and then down twist down up twist and then you go fast, so you pick up fast, and then you go, you grab as much as you can to hold it. And you do a minute of the twist, a minute of the fast, and then a, a 30 seconds of hold, and then you do that as a circuit and keep going. I'm gonna have to try that. That sounds, that sounds like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. I've done a lot of grip workouts, that's not one of, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's something easy you can do. So he would get like a Gatorade jug and fill it up with rice, and then that's how he'd get his grip super strong. He was, he was awesome. like, if I ever coached, like, everybody would have a, a rice bucket in their locker. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. Man. Um, cool. So, I, I think I wanted to, like, change gears a little bit. And I think that you guys have probably talked about it, you know, somewhere out there on, you know, in the crazy internet. But um, as far as, like, when you guys, you know, after high school and you started getting recruited, um, who recruited you guys? Uh, just like first of all who recruited you and like where you know I, I just I think it's interesting obviously we know where you guys ended up right like we we know that Jack ended up Virginia we know Seth ended up at Iowa and went to South Dakota State and then followed or not followed but went to uh Wisconsin um but like I think it's always interesting to hear where guys were recruited and like where they were also leaning you know like I think I heard on, on maybe Bash's podcast um Vincenzo Joseph talk about that like Iowa was kind of coming after him really hard and like just thinking of Vincenzo Joseph and an Iowa single it just like blow it breaks my mind um so I think it's kind of cool to hear that so where were you guys recruited also and like where were other places that you were considering um so I was out of high school I was recruited in my form I think I took five recruiting no four I don't know if I took four or five but I think the top five were uh Iowa, Minnesota, Oklahoma State, North Carolina, and uh, Nebraska, or something like that. And Should've I don't know. Tar Heel, man. Should have been a Tar Heel down here. Actually, so that was kind of my, that was just like my favorite football team growing up. I love the Tar Heels. And then Cole, that was out there, but the visit didn't go too well. So it kind of, kind of shot me away from North Carolina. But, uh, and then Cole had ended up leaving. So it was probably, probably a good thing for the time. But, Cause they had that little short area where they didn't really have much there, but uh, they've done, they've done a good job, but I say Oklahoma state was, it just wasn't my style when I went down there. Like I, I liked it. I liked the guys down there, but it was, it was, I don't know. It wasn't quite up my alley. What's and, the deal there? Cause I hear, I feel like that's the same thing for a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people are like Oklahoma state's culture or program, whatever they got going on there. It, it sounds like it's different than other places. Like, I mean, to speak of my experience, I just remember that they took me to like square dance and that night and then like they're going to, 
great country people and uh I don't know, it was just interesting. I just didn't, you know, that's something I wasn't quite used to. And it was a little, a little I mean, like I said, the guys were cool. They were great, but it was just not, I don't know. I just, I just didn't feel like I fit in and uh, quite, quite, I don't know. But so I didn't, I mean, I liked it. I liked the wrestling aspect of it. The facilities were cool and um, I don't know, but it wasn't, wasn't quite my thing. And then um, Minnesota, it was just honestly, I just so a big big part of it honestly was so our our rivals in high school was uh St. Michael Albertville and Apple Valley so we were kind of rivals and um we we had a, our team like my junior year like we tied at the state championships and that was the first and, and we both won state that year or something but like it was after our like 12 year streak and whatever but then all the St. Michael Albertville guys were committing to Minnesota and I did not want to be on a team with those guys so that was I don't know if that just pushed me away from it or what, but I didn't, I didn't want to be teammates with them. So I kind of, kind of pushed Minnesota aside and uh, didn't, didn't really look too much. You know, I took a visit there, but it wasn't one of my top options. And then Iowa, Iowa just, you know, it was close enough to home. It was hard nosed wrestling. It was what I was used to in the Apple Valley room. And, you know, you had some of the best lightweights in the world there, you know, they're always known for having those guys. So I think that's kind of, you know, when I went in there and I watched Corey Clark and Thomas Gilman going at it during practice, I think that was like crazy to me. It was like, wow. And uh, I think that was a big part of, big part of it. So if, if, what would, what would have been your like, I mean, it's weird to ask about second choices, but like, I'm trying to envision, like, we obviously got this path from Seth Gross. Like what, what is the other way that it could have went? Like, were there any that were close or was it just like, Nope, it's Iowa. I honestly like I as much as I you know I liked Iowa and I decided to go there. Like none of them really felt like wow, this is my place. And um, so honestly, I think that I probably should have continued looking and reached out to more of the guys that kind of reached out to me because I know when I set up my five visits, I kind of just shut out everybody else that tried to come and talk to me. So like like I said, I like that I wrestled at the time wrestling was my life, like we talked about earlier, and it was everything to me. So all I was looking at when I went to Iowa was wow, this wrestling is amazing. And I didn't really look at, you know, what about how am I gonna kind of fit in with my faith here? How's that gonna work? How am I gonna, you know, socially fit in? How am I, you know, the, what about the teammates? Things like that I didn't really look at. Like it, you know, looking back on it in, you know, looking at my second or, you know, my when I looked at it, you know, going to a different school it was just like had, I had so much more experience and I think that, you know, it's, it's good for guys to know that it is much as, you know, wrestling's important. You got to fit in there. You got to feel like you belong. You got to be with people that you feel have the same goals as you. And there's a lot more that I wish I would have known and cared about looking at when I chose my college. So I don't know if there's another school that stuck out to me. It's like, wow, that would have been my second choice. But I think I wish I would have done more in depth and really looked at every aspect of things. Well, I think it's cool to hear from both of you guys too. And I'm about to ask Jack the same thing, but like, um, you know, both of you guys in the recruiting process, like I, I, I got to imagine that you're probably highly coveted recruits, right? Because both of you guys were, were very successful. Um, you know, just looking at, you know, our article that we have on HMA wrestling, um, you know, Seth was a three-time state champ in Minnesota, you know, one cadet a couple of times, one juniors, um, very successful high school wrestler and then we go with jack you know same kind of deal you know four-time prep national champion prep state champ 
know, cadets, juniors, all that kind of stuff is being won by you guys. So like it, in my mind, I mean, I don't know, cause I obviously wasn't there, but like in my mind, I got to think looking at these stats, like you guys probably had, you know, had options, right. Had, had a bunch of options and good options. Um, so it's cool to hear that from Seth on the other side, Jack, what, what drew you to Virginia and you know, what were other places that you were looking? Yeah. So Virginia, like, I don't know if y'all ever been to Charlottesville, but it's like, it's like voted one of the happiest places on earth. Um, it's beautiful. Campus is great. Um, actually we call it grounds, um, cause we're better than everyone, but no, I'm kidding. Um, coach Garland is the man. Like I knew right away that this guy would freaking give his left arm for me, you know, like, sacrifice everything and he did he honestly did this he has a broken neck and i kid you not he was working out with me every day for the weight cut so when i was in a, a pissy mood he was gone with me he was my guy and so like there were times where they would be like i would like club him too hard and he'd club me hard and we'd be like are we gonna fight <laughs> he was like um and then he would wake up and we, before church, pretty much every week, we would, uh, we would freaking go uh, an hour grind match, me and him. And it would be just us in the room, hour grind match, and then we'd ride to church. And, uh, you know, he, he was just so, he sacrificed everything uh, for me to be great. And, um, you know, he's just unbelievable, solid the earth man, like freaking as soon as I met him, I knew that that's like where I wanted to be. I wanted to be at a place that was like a family. And like, although it really wasn't when I got there, but it is now. Um, they got, they just kind of missed on a few recruits and it, it hurt the culture a little bit. Um, but like, as soon as I met Coach Garland, it was unbelievable. And then like at the time, Jordan Lean was there. He's awesome. And then we had Mark Ellis too, who's uh, with FCA Wrestling, great guy. But then we got Trent Travis, who are unbelievable wrestlers. They both made world teams. And then also, like, they're so cool. Like, they're just really cool guys. Like, uh, I'm, like, getting ready for the national finals, and Travis comes up to me. He's like, listen to this motivational song. And I'm like, okay, like, whatever. What is it? And it's shallow from freaking <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing, Travis? <laughs> like, I'm about to get right for like the biggest match of my life and you're freaking playing shallow in my ear. That Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, man, I hope you don't mind, but we changed your walkout song. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like another story is like we were at ACC's and the night before I'm like hurting from the weight cut, you know, the night before like sleeping is, it isn't a real thing. Like I pretty much went an all nighter the three nights at NCAAs every year. I was at 25. <laughs> Um, but so he's like, Jack, give me a hug. I'm like, no, get away from me, Travis, go away. I don't want to be near you. And he like tried to force me and I like shoved him and he was like, he likes smiling after it. And, uh, well, I went to bed, whatever, or tried to go to bed. And then first match ACC is, he's like, Hey Jack, come here, come here. I'm like on the mat getting ready. 125 is out there, you know, in my seat, headgear strapped up ankle bands on uh he's like come here and i'm like oh all right what do you got for me he like grabs me and hugs me on the mat <laughs> <laughs> that's funny 
I just started like laughing right before that. Um, but yeah, it's like coaching staff, like they're going to be, they're role models for my life now, you know, they're unbelievable people. And then, so the other options were Michigan. I'd always loved Michigan because my brother kind of got screwed at Ohio state. And so like, in like spite, I, I was a Michigan fan. I was like, Michigan this, Michigan that. And, uh, and then he transferred to UNC, and that happened to be another one of my top five. Um, I always loved Chapel Hill is amazing. Like, it is so beautiful. Um, it's oh, like yeah. the second campus in the country. That's, um, I, I, think, I think I've obviously mentioned it before, but that's, that's where I live. I live in Chapel yeah, Hill. Yeah, you mentioned it earlier. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's awesome. Um, and then Northwestern and then Lehigh, um, I really like too. So academics were huge for me. Um, my dad really pushed it, um, but he said no Ivies uh, because like there's no like scholarship there and stuff. And um, so it really came down to UVA, UNC, Michigan. Um, and honestly, when Kerry was there, so I committed as a junior when Kerry was there, if he was going to get the head coaching job, I would have probably committed before I even visited these other places. Cause I'd worked out with Kerry before there were like, we, I would go to camps and he would be there and he would like wrestle me for like an hour and a half straight. And like, I freaking loved it. Um, he would kick the crap out of me, but I loved it. Um, and, uh, my brother got married in Chapel Hill. I went to work out with Kerry and my parents dropped me off after the, the day after the wedding and he was like ah uh, all right come back in a couple hours and we'll be done i'm like help <laughs> thought it was done you want to have three hour private it was just so awful but it was, it was amazing at the same time like i don't know how like how to describe it i just really like carrie and uh yeah i'd have probably gone there um even before i visited these places um, I really wanted a, a good coach. You know, that was my biggest desire when I was looking at schools. Yeah, well, that's cool. Um, man, I mean, it, it's real. I think it's really cool to hear the different perspectives on why people go different places. And I think it always, it always does boil down to the coach, right? Like, I, I feel like when I was growing up and, and wrestling, and and I just like whenever you thought about college wrestling, it was like, oh, it'd be really cool to to, you know, be a Buckeye or it'd be cool to be a Hawkeye or, or, or whatever. And I feel like it gets way more important, the coaches as you go through high school. And I think it's really important if you have that good coaching role model when you're young, you know, because um, that kind of leads you to want to, to continue to have that role model. Um, like you're saying, like uh, him, your, your coach doing, Coach Garland doing all the workouts with you. Um, I know that when I was growing up, you know, before I hit high school, my dad coached me my whole life and he was awesome. I mean, I remember cutting for, uh, for schoolboy duels and I was 10 pounds over the day before. And my dad literally did everything with me. You know, like we, we ran, we sat in the sauna, we, we biked, we did all kinds of stuff. We were up like till like 3am just working out. And like, not only was he pushing me to do it, but he was literally right next to me. You know, I think that that's really important in finding somebody like that um, when you're choosing, you know, a program, whether it be college or if, you know, if you go into, um, you know, special high schools or, or all that kind of stuff. Um, that's super important. But do you guys have any like that, too? You know, like it's much easier to follow someone. 
Like, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, so Seth with, with coach Bono, um, I think I heard somewhere before that, that the plan wasn't to follow him, but, or, you know, not to follow. I don't want to make it sound like you're following him around. Right. But like, I think the plan was to stay at South Dakota state. Right. But did, how did that relationship with Bono affect you and your decision to, to go to Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, I was I was planning on finishing up my senior year last year at South Dakota State. I wrestled one match, but then, uh, yeah, my back injury, I ended up having surgery and, you know, obviously didn't wrestle that year at all. So I took a medical year. And then after that, I graduated. So I started looking around for grad school. And, um, you know, the two places it was either going to be, I'm going to stay at South Dakota State finish or I'm going to go to Wisconsin and finish. And you know, not to get too much into details, it was just, you know, that relationship that I had with Bono and Reader and just, you know, they're, they're, they're two of my best friends, right? It's still, the, you know, to this day, you know, they're, they're the guys I go to with, you know, any sort of problems, anything, you know, and they're, they're just my guys, you know, we think alike and we do, you know, we've been through a lot together. So I think that, I think relationships is, is the, the most important part of, you know, when you're getting recruited, if it's the relationship with guys on the team or the coach, you know, as long as you have those people that you feel comfortable around and that you feel have those same, the same vision and same goals that you do. I think that that's just such an important thing. And being with those guys for three, four, yeah, four years at South Dakota state or whatever it was. And, uh, seeing their vision and seeing, you know, that we thought a lot of life and, you know, we both, we got a lot of things in life that, you know, we see eye to eye on. And um, they were just guys that if I knew I was around them, right, they lifted me up and they made me want to do things right. And um, so I knew I had to get back with those guys and continue in that relationship because I felt like when I was around them, I was excelling not only in my wrestling, but as a person in my faith and a lot of aspects. And I think that you need to get around those people that, can help you excel in all areas. Yeah, absolutely. So I did Seth about UVA. Pretty sure he said, I'll look into it. And then he ghosted me. (laughs) 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 But I did DM him about UVA. Really? Um, Very cool. So uh, I guess we've heard all you guys' stories about your coaches. um, And I was just curious, do you guys have any other – like stories that stick out, you know, crazy stories from, from college with, with wrestling with your coaches, your teammates, anything like that that you can think of. Obviously, we talked about, you know, you, uh, you uh, what would you call it, fireman's carrying Garland around after he peed himself. Like, that, that's crazy. Is there any kind of, like, other stories you guys have that would be or that are interesting that you remember from your time? I've got a good one about Aiello, he's number three in the country right now. When Mark Ellis was here, so Jay was a good UVA or Virginia kid, but he like didn't really like get any success until I think it was his sophomore year, junior year. Um, but when he was a redshirt freshman, Mark Ellis was here and he was like bullying him. And uh, Ellis would put, we would like split practice in between middleweights, lightweights and upperweights. And the upperweights were coached by Ellis. And Ellis was hand fighting Jay for like an hour straight and he put him in the trash can. <laughs> Jay started crying on the wall. <laughs> and it, like Ellis was awesome. He was psychotic, but awesome. Like I love that guy. And I just think that story is hilarious because if you know him at all, 
he like fought me like in MMA. He was undefeated, and he's tough. He's tough, and and Jay's tough too. Like he's he's crazy too. But um, I don't know if that match would still go that way. But <laughs> oh, this was awesome for sure. That's hilarious. <laughs> just like bullying a college wrestler around the room and putting him like putting him in a trash can. That's just that's man. That's a whole level of disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think it would go that way now because uh, I really think Jay's got a shot to win a national title this year. And so, he's going to be is he what year is he this next year? He's senior. He's going to be senior. Um yeah, that, uh, he's got, especially that, like Paul Moore's gone. I don't think that there's really anyone there that they can do. So who is there uh the the West Virginia guy? Uh, what's his name? Noah Adams. Over. He beat him uh Ben Darmstadt last year darmstadt um, yeah yeah it'll be interesting for sure those 74 to 97 is an interesting, interesting yeah they have been for a few years too yeah like wide open like any any of those like top 10 or so could show up and win it 100 percent. i think that some of the lighter weights are more closed off but yeah those weights are definitely open yeah so, do you have any stories seth or or I can I can move on to talk about something else. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I told I'll tell I'll tell another one. Uh, uh just how competitive we got. So at South Dakota State, um, we played uh, handball and spike ball like every day. It was me, Bono, Reader, and AJ Shop, and we would freaking just play play, like go into practice two hours early just to play and like. We'd go at it, and, like, if, if, if we lost that day, we wouldn't talk to a reader and shop for, like, until we showed up the next day to play again. And it was just, you know, we'd be texting and, like, crap to each other all day. Like, it was intense for a while. And uh, we also played – so it's spike ball and handball. And one day we were playing handball, and um, it was uh, me and Bono versus reader and shop. And it was, like, they'd won the first game. We won the second game. It was in the third game. It was, like, 19-19, and 19 and – Bono's getting a little old, man, and he, he's doing his best to move around and obviously play or whatever. And um, it, it's it's like 19 to 19. We're about to, you know, figure out who the winner is here. And this dude dives for a shot, and, like, he, like, like it's like a slow-motion dive every time he dives. and like, goes down slowly, and then he just, like, screams. And we're like, oh, he's screaming because he missed it and, like, whatever. And, like, Reader's like, get up, dude, finish this game and i'm like come on man like we're about we still got this we they're only up by a point we can still get this done and this dude doesn't move he's just laying there like oh like grunting like that we're like what is going on dude and like we're just all yelling at him he's like this is serious like blah blah blah. we're like dude you're a baby or whatever and he gets uh he finishes the game or whatever and um like wobbles around and then just leaves like pissed off we lost the game and he just he just goes out doesn't say a word to anybody and then the next day, this dude's entire leg was, like, dark purple. His calf, I don't know what happened, but, like, when he dove, his calf, his calf, uh, like, I don't know what, what you call it, but, it like, balled up. So it was, like, super high in his leg. He's got a picture of it, but, like, oh. leg straight purple. And, like, we all thought he was freaking joking. And this dude was, like, for the next, like, two months just hobbling around, like, couldn't walk straight and his philosophy is just ignore it it'll go away so he never got it checked out or anything he just freaking and still to this day like his his i think it's his right calf is like way higher up than his left calf like his left calf looks normal and his right calf is just all bunched up high and 
he just never did anything about it. <laughs> and, and still finished the game. Yeah, he, he's a wild man. I mean, he, he, he freaking he, – he, he lives and dies by the, the ignored and no-go-away thing. So, I told him, just get it checked out. And he's like, no, it'll that's, be all right. So, that's definitely – like, ignore it and go away is definitely how I – do things and my wife hates me for it because she's you know, she's in dental school she's really medical you know scientific and blah blah and i actually i broke my ankle in practice this year and i broke it and then like did the whole practice and then i come home and i'm like dying hobbling around and she's like you need to go to the hospital like you need to go get looked at i'm like no i'm fine fine i'm good like whatever it's fine and i think i went like another day just like toughing it out and then I got up one morning and like fell because I went to step on the ground and it just like wasn't there and just like fell down I was like oh okay shit I guess I gotta go to the hospital now and uh yeah but that's funny yeah I mean Uh, I I like the whole philosophy for some things but man there's some things where you need to freaking go get checked out for oh yeah well like I've had I've had nine surgeries on my right leg because I had a real bad motorcycle accident when I was younger and I just, I hate, I hate going to the hospital, man. Cause I swear, like when I was a kid, like it, it happened when I was 15 and like, I just associate having surgery. Like, I don't really even care that much about having surgery. I'm not scared of it, but like, I swear, man, every time I went to the hospital with something wrong with my foot, it's like, all right, you got to stay here for a week. We're having two surgeries. It's like, oh dude. So like, I, I hate going, but I, I just feel like they want to keep me and work <laughs> on me. I don't know. But, uh, the, so the next thing I was going to ask is, you know, I didn't even have this on the doc, but I was just thinking about it. We were talking about, you, you were talking about you know, Jay and next year, um, but flow dropped their rankings, you know, for next year, obviously it's super preseason. We don't even know if some of these guys are going to be these weights, um, but I got them pulled up here. Um, I would show them, but I don't really know how that works le- legally. So I can pull them up. psych, if you guys want to hear, uh, Seth, Jack, and I's take on the, the flow rankings and our preseason uh, picks for next year. Um, You're going to have to tune in to the next episode of, of HMA Fantasy. Um, me, me and Seth and Jack got to talking way too long. Um, nobody's going to listen to a, a three-hour-long podcast. Uh, so instead of dragging this thing out and, and people not actually hearing uh, the good parts we chose to to split this thing in two. Um, they will both be posted uh, very, very close to each other, if not together. So um, if you're listening to this one, just go ahead and head over to the HMA uh, number HMA F number 14 um, to hear all about our preseason predictions. Uh, thanks again, guys, for tuning in. We really appreciate it over here at HMAF. Make sure you're going out there, following us on all, on all the social media platforms. Um, and please give us a five-star rate and review on uh, on Apple Podcast, um, as well as some, some retweets and help us get our stuff out there on social media. Uh, but we thank you again, and make sure you tune into the next episode.